0: Love, talk Radio.
1: Welcome, you're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Fat Man McDuck. And now prepare to get fat. What's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, also known as Fat Man Radio. I'm your host, Darren McDuffie. Good night tonight. We will have um, Diana Hunter on the show uh, discussing her uh, second book, uh, Me, Myself, and Food. But before we get to that, just wanted to remind you to go back to last week's show. Very good show. Um, Got a chance to speak with uh, Amy Raup about uh, fertility Call Yes You Can Get Pregnant. And then um, on the other end of that week, that was Thursday, Monday, we spoke with Jimmy Moore about the ketogenic diet. And I shared with you how I actually saw uh, Dr. Mercola, if you're familiar with Dr. Mercola, and Josh Rubin of the Maker's Diet. And I went to see them speak on Tuesday night of last week. And just so happened that Dr. Mercola was talking about the ketogenic diet. So there's a lot going around with the ketogenic diet. A lot of people are looking to be healthy in uh, 2016. This is the third show of 2016 tonight that we'll, we'll be kicking off. And this person was my first interview of the year 2013 when I first started the show. I believe I started the show in April of 2013 and she was my first Interview and I can remember, still remember how nervous I was um, when interviewing her, and I still get nervous a little bit during the show. Funny thing that I played basketball in front of thousands of people during my career, and I get nervous when I get on the radio and talk with people about about health and, and nutrition. But it's all good, you know. You got to kind of get that nervous energy just to keep you on top of your game. And I like to be on top of my game and, and ask the right questions uh, for the podcast. So it's all good want to remind you to connect with me on social media. I had a, a lot of people connecting with me on my personal uh Facebook page. I still have that. I haven't shut that down. A lot of people are finding me through that. My name is Darren McDuffie, so if you want to connect with me on a per- on my personal Facebook page that I, now that I still have space or still have uh friends, you can connect with me there. I prefer for you to go to the Fat Man Radio Show so Facebook uh, dot com slash fat man radio show and fat again is spelled with a ph and then you can get in there and then you know, you know all the shows and i'm going to be updating that page uh, pretty soon uh if you want to connect with me on pinterest a lot of people are connecting me, with me there i also have all the podcasts, not all of them but the majority of the ones that i did over the over the years since 2013 and you can listen to the podcast on pinterest on pinterest i'm fat man one Twitter, my Twitter handle is the fat underscore man connect with me on that as well. And um what else? What else? I believe that's it. And um I believe when I first interviewed Diana, I did not read her bio and that's because I didn't have one at the time, but I wanted to just quickly give you a little bit of her bio. Diana Hunter is an award-winning author, nutrition researcher and college instructor who holds a degree in food science. Her background includes certification in food safety and management, as well as studies and awards in the behavioral sciences. Her previous literary achievements include Food Smart, which that was my first interview, Understanding Nutrition in the 21st Century, and the Ritalin Free Child, Managing Hyperactivity and Attention Deficits Without Drugs, a Parent's Choice Approval Award winner. And she's a parent Choice Approval Award winner. She has been seen and heard on hundreds of network stations throughout the country as part of her acclaimed Be Food Smart National Tour and has presented at numerous colleges, universities, bookstores, libraries, and nutrition-related venues. Founder of the Food Smart Alliance, she's is, she is also the developer of the Food Smart Nutrition, a course currently offered at various colleges, and is a recent recipient of a Broward College Hall of Distinction Award. Without further ado, let's get Diana Hunter on the show. Diana Hunter, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight?
0: Great, Darren. It's great to be back on with you again.
1: Good, thank you. And you are my friend. We we we've talked you actually located in Fort Lauderdale. Very few people that I get to um talk to who are right out of Fort Lauderdale, and I remember finding your book and finding that you were from Fort Lauderdale, and I was super excited during my first interview with You know, when I'm not touring, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Raymond Francis. Raymond is going to be on um, the first show in February, and he's actually in Coral Springs, and he wrote the book Never Be Sick Again, so I'm not sure if you... Um, you know are familiar with him but there's a lot of people here in Fort Lauderdale who are doing some great things with nutrition and I'm happy to to call you a friend.
0: Thank you yourself as well with me. Um interesting conversations we've had about food and life. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's you know we had that conversation I think we ran over like an hour just talking on the phone but it was a very interesting conversation and I learned a lot. Um with your book Me Myself and Food, very good read and You started with something that I'm very, very big on, and that is seeing yourself uh, in a better light when it comes to starting on a diet and developing a relationship with food. And you hit on a couple of different aspects. I believe one was just self-respect and and self-care. And I wanted you to kind of talk about them and elaborate them a little bit.
0: Okay, well, as far as self-respect, I can't say enough about that. You and I had quite a bit of conversation about that. If we look at ourselves as individuals, in my perspective, I mean, respect is basically the core of everything that's good. If you have respect, you can develop love for yourself, for other people, for the earth, you know, to take a look, including at the the things you grow and the things you put in your body. Um, So I think that there's a huge amount of respect that's necessary to developing good quality health as a whole, and the basis of that is going to be nutrition. I mean, think about how often we eat. And even when we don't eat that often, some people eat less times per day than others. Those choices are substantially important. So in order to respect your body, you're going to have to learn a bit about what you're going to be putting into it.
1: Yeah. Do you think that um, if people eat bad or they're not eating healthy, is it connected to Um, their self-esteem in in some kind of way or another. Because I noticed that um, when I was overweight for a a brief period of time, a lot of people don't know that, but I was overweight uh, after my athletic career was over, uh, I remember that um, my emotions kind of took a toll on me, you know, just feeling bad about the job that I was in and the way that I would kind of curb that stress was just by eating. But at that point in time and going back and looking at it, I realized that I didn't have real high regards for myself. And, I, and I'm, I'm wanting to know if you think that connection when people don't really think very well of themselves, do they kind of self-destruct through the, the, the nutrition mechanism?
0: That's a fantastic question Darren and it has a lot of different angles from it. First and foremost, people often will look toward comfort foods if they don't feel good or they're feeling down. I I think you probably read in me myself and food where I mention about, you know, if you you know, lose a partner, they leave you or something or a pet runs away or something like that, you know, diving into a giant vat of ice cream and eating a bunch of very um I don't even want to say unhealthy foods because each food depending on how it's developed can be better or worse for the body or for your body in specific at any general you know, given time, depending on how old you are, what time of day it is. There's a lot of variables that you learn about. It's not always a great thing to have a big, fatty, meaty sandwich right before you go to bed, but some light oats with maybe some almond milk or something might do you fine. So it just there's so many different facets. The comfort foods, people will tend to just be driven toward those, the ones that – fill a need for them as far as taste and make them feel kind of good. So yes, self-esteem could be involved there. But on top of that, there's really no desire to learn about foods when you don't feel well or don't feel like you have a lot of self-esteem. And that brings us right back to the respect piece. When you have a really good degree of self-respect, then you're going to have self-esteem. And then you're going to want to have a desire to learn about foods if that's your facet, you want to respect your body, and then you're going to pick comfort foods and learn how to develop comfort foods, as I wrote about, and we might solve on food too, where the comfort mm-hmm. foods are actually healthy comfort foods because you can take just about any food and turn it into something that's more nutritious.
1: Why do we always when it comes to comfort foods, I noticed with myself in the past that it was always something carb carb based. I know that um I have this weakness for Pop Tarts which I don't eat anymore. But I've noticed <laughs> but I noticed that people tend to reach for the carbs. You you never find people reaching for, let's say, um a slice of cheese or um, you know, an apple or something like that, unless they're health minded. But the majority of people are reaching for carbs. Why is that?
0: Well I think Again, it comes back to that comfort foods, what fills that kind of flavor need. You'll notice that a lot of those foods that are fattier are also saltier or sweeter. So sometimes it's that combination. But even when you look at it, again, that goes back to self-control, self-esteem, self-respect, all in one group. Think about cheese. I mean, if you're really feeling rough and you just like, I just want to go eat a bar of cheese, There's the option there. You can find, here's a great example for you, Um, and I don't, you know, I'm not affiliated with any of these companies, but I eat these. You have the Cabot Company, for example. They make 25, 50, and 75% off reduced-fat cheeses. The 75% um, less-fat cheese is delicious. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, let's say that you decide, okay, I'm, I'm in a miserable mood and I want some comfort food. I want to have macaroni and cheese. So you want the fat and you want those carbs. Why not try an option? And, of course, some people say they have sensitivities to wheat, or they have gluten issues or they're worried about the glycemic thing, which we'll talk about more later. Um, come up with a higher fiber type of carb and go for a lower fat cheese. And it's funny because the people will eat that and then they'll later tell me, you know, I, I made this alternative you told me about, and I thought, boy, this is really a pain to do this, and now I can't go back to eating the other type. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, again, it becomes self-control based on self-respect, based on a desire to eat better. And then you just kind of learn to change those foods over. The comfort foods become a healthier choice. And then you don't have that regret the next morning or the next afternoon or even an hour later. You can say, wow, I felt like eating a comfort thing. I made this. That was actually kind of good for me. I feel better and I'm healthier. So there are options there and all boils down. Yeah, it is that self-control and the self-esteem and the self-respect is, is definitely all tied together.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick for a moment because that's come up for me today. I had a friend contact me who's uh, having a lot of mucus issues and I told him to, maybe he might want to eliminate some mucus causing foods like eggs and, and dairy for a lot of people that's, that's very mucus causing, but, I know as a whole, when I speak with people and tell them about food allergies and, and food sensitivities, they tend to not believe that. And I, be, I remember from reading in your book that you had, I think you were 21, and you had your own bouts with uh, some food allergies. But talk about that a little bit. Are food allergies or sensitivities real, and do they keep people from actually uh, getting to their dietary goals or losing losing weight in some instances?
0: Wow. It's, you just come up with the best questions, Darren. Uh, and it's multifaceted. Allergies and sensitivities are very, very real. Um, one case I remember with allergies, it just always pops into my head when anyone says, are they real? Or they say, no, they're not real, was a young boy. He was five years old at a local elementary school here. And every day he would come to school and his poor thing's skin was literally peeling and bleeding. And You know, the mom was trying to tell the teacher, oh, he's sensitive to this or that. We can't really figure out what's going on, but we know that he shouldn't be having milk. And one day he was eating some types of puddings, and I was assisting the class. Um, And I noticed that he had the same type the week before when I helped the class. And I kind of just nosily looked at it and said, oh, my goodness, I bet his mom doesn't even know this. So I got bold enough (laughs) To say to the mom, hey, listen, I I just, I just apologize for eavesdropping, but your son was really hurting today, and you were mentioning that he should not have milk, but the pudding in his backpack has, you know, the main ingredient is milk in that, and she basically told me to mind my, my own business and said it was soybean oil, not milk, but interestingly enough, that night after yelling at me, she went and checked, and then she had come back the following week and said, oh, my gosh. I wanted to apologize to you, and the boy was doing way better. So that was a perfect case scenario, seeing someone really suffer. And he didn't have that high of a degree of an allergy. You have different levels on the IgE, on the blood work. And they have have cap rast and rast tests and even some others that are newer where they can tell just how severe an allergy is and it it's really important. I'm I'm allergic to some things. I have one food that I just can't get near because it would literally kill me. I've been in the hospital twice because it shuts my my windpipe. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are the allergies are extremely real. Um sensitivities are too. Some people are more sensitive but maybe an IgE doesn't really register when you do a test. Uh a good example for some people is black pepper. Black pepper mm-hmm. is actually a heart irritant though. When you look at the flip side of it, it has potential for helping with some cancers. And I don't do black pepper real well. It doesn't really love me, but I love how it tastes. I don't show up as being allergic to it, but I'm definitely sensitive. So it depends on the person, and I believe that both allergies and sensitivities with all the lab work and individuals I've worked with, including you know cancer patients at four stage cancer, um, mm-hmm. that these things are, in fact, very, very real. And the mucus causing issues that you brought up, absolutely. Um, especially with the elderly people, they always come to me. I had one yesterday, and he said, um, "He said, ma'am, I, I continue to get so much mucus, and I don't seem to be able to get it under control." While he was drinking milk, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I told him, I said, "Is there? Can we swap off of that for a little while?" In my studies with the other, you know, others I work with, PhDs, et cetera, um, they showed how mucus can can be, you know, 8 to even 16-fold, um, and, and that that's not a, a good option when someone, you know, has a really bad chest cough, bronchitis, et cetera. So there are some options that should be considered, if at least temporarily. Because I think a lot of the time the goal is that they're trying to keep up that all-important hormone, vitamin D.
1: Yeah, and I think you and I talked about black pepper. I'm also very sensitive to black pepper. I didn't know until I, I used to use it all the time, and then I took it on my diet for about three months, and then I, I try to, to uh, put it back in, and then it's like if I eat it the next morning, my head feels like it's like I have a real bad uh, sinus infection. My head just feels like it's going to blow up. So, I uh, you know, I definitely know it's real, and I don't do milk as well. Um, can that, I guess it's going to be another twofold question, because I think it's important. Okay, I'm trying to stand with you. Can, can that, Uh, thwart someone from losing weight and then um i think i forgot the second the second part of the question let's let's just take that one can that just cause someone from losing weight if they're they're generally losing yeah and the second part of the question diana would be what would you recommend that they take out just as without having any testing what are if you can kind of Tell us the most common ones. You mentioned milk. I know that that's one, but maybe some others that people can maybe want to take out of their diet just to see if it might, you know, if it might help them.
0: Okay, this first, the first part of that question is got a, it's got like almost a fourfold answer for you. <laughs> let's take it one piece <laughs> at a time. You're asking me about can the allergies and sensitivities specifically? Let's look at the allergies, sensitivities yeah. too, but the allergies with that inflammatory response and can that thwart losing weight? Yes it can. But look at the pattern here. Let's say that you eat something that you're allergic to. Like I'm allergic to peanuts. A lot of the population is allergic to peanuts. I'm not super allergic to them on the IgE level. I think I'm a 1 or 2. <clears throat> you can get to be a 4 or can not even show and can go over that. <laughs> so, let's say that we have that allergy reaction going on. But when you eat it, it doesn't just go through your mouth and your throat and make your eyes and your nose and your ears itch and make you have a runny nose. That's a, a systemic response. So when you're going through the intestines, the food's going through the intestines, it can irritate in there too. As far as losing weight, well, the problem, it goes like this. Let's say that the intestines are disturbed for whatever reason, even other ideas beyond allergies. And the cilia is not working properly and the absorption is not good. You may not be getting the nutrients that you need to process your food. So you may not be gaining weight. But at the same time, if you're not getting those nutrients to process your food, you may have difficulty losing weight because those -hmm. those nutrients, you need the nutrients synergistically for the whole body to run efficiently. Mm -hmm. If the liver is very well upheld, has a lot to do with, you know, weight loss too. If all of the systems are running well and they're getting enough of the nutrients they need, then the whole system works together. And this goes even further beyond that. If you have a person who's allergic and on top of that they don't get to bed by approximately eleven, 10:30, uh, let's say 10:30. That 10:30 to 6:30, I always tell people, if you're not asleep within that realm of time when your body's doing all of the things that help your hormones be at their prime and be able to help you lose weight efficiently, you've got a double whammy coming at you. You see that? Yes, it could could in effect cause you to have difficulty losing weight. But more so in my experiences, and um, everyone's just at the brink of a lot of this new information that we're learning, Mm -hmm. losing weight has a lot to do with sleep too. It has to do with sleep, good quality water, and you know, making sure that you eat an appropriate amount. And, you know, people ask me every day, they do, as far as the intestines, oh, should I be on this specific type of diet or this diet or that diet? That's why I wrote Me, Myself, and Food. Um, We were designed to eat a multifaceted diet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have brought up issues with you, even like the, the paleo diet. If we're eating, you know, if they're telling you go ahead and have fish, Several times a day, or what have you. If you're eating fish every single day, and it's not specified, you know, be careful of which one has mercury. You may disturb that intestinal ratio and the rest of the body, the whole systemic piece, and that will affect you with the losing weight piece too. It could cause you to lose too much, or it can cause you to not lose enough.
1: Mm -hmm. And they disturb
0: the nutrients
1: yeah so that's that's
0: a big to look at yeah that's it's got a lot of angles to it, and that's why I, I wrote about the variables before, because yeah. so many pieces to look at,
1: yeah I think with a lot of these diets too, we actually end up falling, and I know for people out there who are um following a lot of these things, a lot of times we end up eating the same things over and over again because they're they're quick to eat and we don't wanna you know vary anything. And I think that that we you know we end up losing that variety of searching out different foods just just as as what you were um were saying um we mentioned that dairy is one you mentioned the the uh the scene with the the little boy who had the dairy allergy. what other if you can give us two or three more that you might try like taking out of the diet that you've seen that were you know hindrances for people? In
0: just about every case that I've seen, Darren, the, the foods that cause mucus issues have been those ones that are directly related to allergies. So that's going to be individual specific to what mm-hmm. they might be allergic to. Um, and, I, and again, sometimes they have products where um, someone may be sensitive to a chemical added mm-hmm. to or used to treat a food. And that can cause mucus issues also. So it's not generally, you know, dairy tends to do that, even in a person who doesn't have an allergy. But more so than not, in the cases that I've seen, it's been people who have allergies to something or sensitivities to something. I don't generally see a a specific type of food or group of food outside of the dairy. Like wheat, we have a lot of people who have wheat allergy. So they'll Mm -hmm. have a lot of mucus caused from that. Um, they say, and I, and I haven't had this experience personally that some, some people have problems with specific foods like bananas. But again, if those people are not tested to find out if they have an an actual allergy, um, then you, you know, what are you going to say? You can't blame it on an innocent banana. You have to make sure what you're dealing with. Those variables need to be checked. I think that, you know, we, our bodies are an amazing, we have amazing machines. And it boils right down to what you said at the very beginning. Our self-respect and self-esteem are going to be based on our desire to, you know, we need the desire to learn. If we respect ourselves and we have self-esteem, we are more likely to say, hey, hmm, that's a good thought. I have this incredible machine. I want to take care of it. It's going to take a little learning. And it's not that bad. People are like, oh, my gosh, food, it's going to be horrible to learn about. It seems so confusing. You only need to learn how to do it right once and then follow that. And once you know what to eat, your body's just going to automatically pay you back by doing the right things for you. So it's just dependent. It. Yeah, and and you know, you say what else could we remove? Hmm. My first thing is going to going to be to say go ahead and check out what you're allergic to. Get mm-hmm. a RAST, cap RAST, or one of those other more newfangled tests that you can get, a lot of them are not that costly, and find out what you might be allergic to. It might be surprising for you.
1: Yeah. Now, getting back to this whole book is about being obesity and overweight and how to conquer that. Um, one of the things I see is that a lot of people end up losing the battle psychologically first. It's not the physical thing. Sometimes it's a blend of the two but most of the time it's that whole psychological battle of oh i'm on a diet i got to do this i got to eat these certain foods i can't you know do uh i can't eat what i'm normally used to eating how do you set yourself up to win that that psychological battle diana
0: you you do what i mentioned before and one other thing first and foremost you find alternatives to those amazing snack foods that you consider junk foods. You figure out how to make a different type of macaroni and cheese. You figure out how to make a delicious blueberry cobbler that's not so heavy in fat, sat fat, and artificial sweeteners. You figure out how to do that because you just do it. You know, you just you go out and you do it. Even if you don't have that desire yet, you just say, Okay, I'm gonna try this. Okay? And you start thinking, hey, I deserve to do this for myself, it's important to look at the piece that you deserve to to feel good. So once you get the idea that you can make these changes, just start doing the changes. You follow?
1: Yeah, I follow you there. I follow you there. Um, people usually go on diets because a friend went on a diet and lost exponential amount of pounds. And then they may go on a diet, and they don't lose any weight. Why is that?
0: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> <laughs> it will just, it'll depend on a lot. Of, I saw one woman who actually gained more weight, and it turned out that she was having some issues with her thyroid and some serious issues at that. Um, and she was just really going at the battle as hard as she could. Um, once we learn, you know, to, once we get into the idea that we can. You know, look at ourselves, look at the respect, and look at those options for foods, then we go ahead and we place those things into play. Now, this one woman, she lost a bunch of weight. Her body was at a place where, and I'm not sure if they did identical things. Again, you got to watch mm-hmm. those variables. If they did exactly identical things and the one didn't lose anything, I would say that a checkup is in order, blood draw, figure out what's going on, make sure there are no thyroid issues like this woman I was discussing a moment ago. And the body... It's kind of interesting because let's say that uh, I worked with a woman way back at a medical management company, and she lost, it was incredible, in about a month. She lost like 10 pounds the first week, and then seven the second, and then five the third, and I'm approximating, and then one pound the fourth week, and then into the next week she didn't lose anything. It wasn't even a half a pound, and she said, my goodness, what's going on here? I always remember her because I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. She's doing all the same things, and her body has stopped. Well, the body's not dumb. It's kind of, you know, you can't, you can't trick Mother Nature. You have to coax her. And in my studies and working under several PhDs, I was taught that it's really the best way to lose weight and keep it off by doing it slowly. Again, coaxing Mother Nature versus trying to force her or trick her. Because at that point, people will use the word, word often, uh, oh, my body plateaued there. And then I had to stay there for a while and then lose some more. Well, the actuality is the body felt like it was in a train wreck or left on the top of a mountain with no other food. So what happens is the next time the body sees fat, gets fat coming into its system, carbs and protein, it's going to hold on for dear life. Okay. Yet other people that I've worked with will try the nice, slow approach. You know, I'll recommend them if they have no problem with, like, typical, ask me, what's a typical breakfast, Diana? What's good? What do you do? Uh, oat bran with pineapple. It's absolutely amazing tastes good. A lot of the people come back and say, no, I can't change. I really love it. And Mm -hmm. it does so many good things for the body. And yes, it's a carb, but it's got good fiber. It's good for the heart. They believe that has, you know, so many things it does for our cholesterol that are positive, et cetera. And then throwing pineapple on there with all the anti-inflammatory effects and you have something that your body can work with. Now, even recently working with one of my own family members, a male in in his eighties and He lost over 30 pounds. Another one lost just over 40, just making that one change. So that was over a lot longer than a one-month crash diet. Maybe there's a reason why they call it that. It was over like a four- to six-month period. And although it was over the 25 pounds, they really didn't change a whole lot more than that, just the breakfast from... Really heavy meats and really heavy cheese and eggs and whole milk, so they swapped you know swapped that out for one thing, and, and the difference has been amazing. So I think yeah, that taking yeah. a look at what we eat and knowing what those foods do in the body really helps.
1: Yeah, and that that theory that you were explaining was, um, I believe, in um, the book. It was called adaptive thermogenesis, adaptive thermogenesis, where you know you're losing weight. Uh, slowly because the body actually adapts. Am I correct with that?
0: Yes, I wrote about that, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Explain this because this is something that was big. I I remember when I was doing my fitness camp and I would always work with women. um, Women are more uh, caretakers. Like they want to make sure that – Everybody is around them is comfortable before they actually take care of themselves. And you had an interesting way of uh, explaining this. You said it was the oxygen mask theory. Explain that.
0: I love the oxygen mask theory. (laughs) (laughs) It's so important, you know, that you're in in an airplane and, and you know how they'll tell you, okay, these are the oxygen masks. And they always say, put it on yourself first and then help others. And I think that, you know, since women in many cases, but also men, you know, they've really, t- I've, I'm so happy to see how many men are so interested in contact me about food and nutrition and are taking a very active role in what their kids and grandkids eat. It's just so amazing. I'm so pleased. You, you see these women in particular, because there's still more of the population doing it, that they're running around doing everything, and they don't stop and take a look at what they're eating. They're grabbing food on the run. So they'll tell me, oh, my gosh, I've gained so much weight, even though I'm very active, I'm driving here and there with the kids. So I tell them, go ahead and make like a snack bag for yourself. Just take one day, even if it's two hours, go to one of the stores, take a look, find out what has high fiber, low sugar, whatever you're not allergic to, get some snacks, and then you can just buy them in quantity and have a snack pack with you all the time so you're not tempted to go and get something that's super high fat, high carbs, and just not as good for you as another option may be for your specific body. And it's amazing how well that works. I think that we have to do that in order to also benefit our families because kids will watch. If they see you eating something and going, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, this is really good, they're likely to give it a try. And it seems to spread from family to family, too, I yeah I sometimes help with tutoring, and one family found out that I taught another family something, and then they started doing it together on the weekend and now that i I'm scared to think they might eat better than I do,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so they've taken the oxygen mass theory to another level. I'm very proud of them,
1: yeah um getting into another one of your theories, and I thought this was really good as well um you call it the the quota system. explain what the quota system actually actually means.
0: Well, yeah, and I like to do rewards. The quota system is where you say to yourself, "Okay, I, you know, you don't have to count calories. I've never counted calories in my life." Um, well, that's not true. Once, once for a class because they made us. So let's correct that. Uh, quota system is like I, I will say, "Okay, I only want to eat so many grams, or approximately so many grams of sugar each day." I'm actually allergic to cane sugar. If I eat it, and it's based in something that's milk-based. Believe it or not, like a cheesecake that's not too sweet, um, it doesn't bother me as much. I don't have that itching sensation or anything like that. So I'll tell myself, okay, I have a quota system, and I only want to do this much sugar per day, a couple grams, two, three, four grams. Mm-hmm. So I will choose a food like maybe a whole-grain, low-fat, low-sugar cookie, for example, as my quote-unquote treat, and that fill that quota with that. That's my idea, and I will sometimes reward myself with a quota and say, "Okay, go on the exercise bike." I love to go on the exercise bike and just spin along, and then read or write or watch something educational. So I'm doing more than one thing at a time, and I don't really notice I'm exercising.
1: <laughs> and I no. tell
0: myself, "Okay," and I, I don't even I don't even think the miles on mine work anymore. My husband always sees me and he says, "I think that you went to the moon and back on there in miles." So I'll just look at a time and say, okay, I have this much time, and I'll keep going. And then I'll tell myself, okay, if I want to do my quota system, maybe take one extra cookie that I like so much, I'll go an extra 15 minutes. So I reward mm-hmm. myself with something healthy, and then I eat my quota system of something that's way less negative for my
1: particular body. You follow? Yeah, I'll follow you there. You had a yeah. very very interesting way of using willpower because a lot of times we think willpower we're like oh I'm going to this party people are going to offer me cookies and I'm just going to say no or someone's going to offer me a slice of pizza and I'm going to say no which in my experience and I've had this happen to me it usually ends up backfiring and I'm stuffing my face full of pizza but (laughs) you you had an interesting way of using willpower tell us about that
0: well let's say you go to a party and the best thing to do, if you can, first and foremost, is to eat something small and nutritious before you go. And that little snack pack I mentioned before, man or woman, you can keep some kind of snack in your vehicle or your bag or whatever, and maybe eat a little bit of something that's nutritious, just in case What you, when you go in, you're not overly full or anything, but at the same time, if there's not a whole lot that you see that you want to try, you have options. <laughs> Trying a... Small amount, like let's say you go, they have a buffet table a lot of parties now. It seems to be kind of a trend. And you could try a small amount of each thing and then find out what's your favorite and have more of that. And at parties, of course, for a week, I don't recommend that people stop eating. I see people tell me, I'm going to a party on Saturday. I'm not eating any lunch all week. And I'm like, no, don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you...
0: Because, and you know, they say, well, how would you know? And I say, because I practice what I preach. And at almost 55, I'm still at the 117-pound mark, and I've never been on a diet in my entire life.
1: Mm. Never. Yeah, they can use a good example. And I think you also said in there to, like, look at something that you really like and find out how to make it, you know, a different way. And now there's so many recipes. Like, you can go on the Internet and you can find how to make anything. I think I saw someone making, like, a better donut or something like that, you know, you can make gluten-free pizza. You can make, there's so many alternatives out there now, whereas we would just, you know, go to Domino's and order pizza. Now you can kind of make your own at home and kind of make it taste. I think um, someone like Food Babe, she even took uh, the uh, Chick-fil-A recipe and made a healthy uh, Chick-fil-A sandwich or something to that effect. So there's a lot of different options um out there when it when it comes to a lot of that stuff and people don't really really uh know about it.
0: And the creativity can be there and that leans right back to at the beginning of our very conversation here about the desire to learn, the desire mm-hmm. to become creative with food. Self-control ends up being you know, in a different facet now. And then self-esteem builds because you're good at it. It's something you actually have control over. Your self-esteem is going to rise and you're going to have a lot more respect for your body. It all kind of channels in with the behavioral angle of it. Those, uh, The comfort foods, is just like a channel off to a different road. But if you grasp yourself and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to make some healthy comfort foods so I won't feel like, oh, boy, and I'm going down the drain with whatever dietary things I'm doing. You can actually start getting healthier with your comfort foods. It's absolutely amazing. Just learn how to do it. And some people tell me, I can't cook, and I'm like, it's a life essential. Just do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of undercover cooks out there. There's people that just are afraid to try. And, uh, you know, for a lot of these recipes that you found on the internet, all you got to do is be able to open a can of this or put this <laughs> that way, and they're very, very easy uh, recipes. So I, I, I always say there's a lot of undercover cooks out there that just don't know they can cook, but they can cook. Um, one big myth that you kind of, um, I don't want to say attacked, attacked is too uh, of an aggressive word, but you kind of handled and that was slow metabolism, because I hear this all the time from people. I like how you said <laughs> that,
0: handle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <That's- laughs> but I hear this so much from people, Diana, that it's becoming like, if I had a dime for every time that I, I hear it, it, I would be a millionaire. But uh, the slow metabolism thing, oh, my metabolism is, is slowing down. When I, As I get older, my metabolism slows down. Please educate us on that myth.
0: Most people have the same metabolism. Metabolism in general, as we start to get older in increments, will start to slow down slightly. But how much it slows down, I believe, is very much attached to how our physical amount of activity slows down, which it does a lot when people get older or have bone problems or what have you, which I feel they probably wouldn't have as much if they ate well and made sure they had enough vitamin D and calcium, et cetera, from natural foods. Um, I think that if you have a thyroid issue, as I mentioned before with that woman, that can cause something met to be metabolically different. So you if you have a serious problem with something that throws off the hormones and, and disturbs regulation in the body, then you might be looking at something that's metabolism-related. It's extremely rare. I repeat that. It's extremely rare because your metabolism and my metabolism probably run very, very close to the same. But as my husband will tease, he said, your brain burns all that energy, burns all those <laughs> calories. So I do believe that, you know, people tell me, that they're like, you're, you're so energetic. It's actually that my brain is constantly going with ideas and things to do, which makes me get up and move and do a lot of different things. So that potential is there. That might be making me burn more calories, but that doesn't mean that my base metabolism is any different than yours.
1: Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense cuz a lot of people just fall back on that oh my metabolism is slow and they use it as an excuse. The other myth and the other one that I hear a lot of too that I wanted you to handle was the water weight <laughs> myth. A lot of people walk around saying oh I, I it's just water weight. Explain that to us as well.
0: Um yeah, that's that's pretty much uh a myth also. To be having, you know, 10 pounds of water weight or something, then I would say that you have something metabolically wrong. Um, We don't carry water like that. We don't. Now, when you're pregnant, that might be, you know, one of the issues where you're going to have some extra water weight, which is a necessity by nature. But for the most part, we don't carry um, an abundance of of extra water on us. No, no, does not happen. Water retention can happen if something is wrong. But, uh, definitely not a norm
1: not a norm Uh um getting into exercise because a lot of people use exercise and i've heard so many different things about this theory that exercise doesn't make you lose weight actually you end up eating for most people they end up eating more and they, they can gain weight but what are your thoughts on that and um and if your thoughts are kind of in that ballpark, that it doesn't make you lose weight, then what does exactly make you, make you do? Or I, is so it for some sport?
0: reason, you just cut out just the tiniest bit there. You're saying what makes you lose weight?
1: Does exercise actually make you lose weight? Because I've heard so many different things from uh, different right. camps. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Tobbs who said that. They've done a lot of studies, and exercise doesn't make you lose weight. If anything, for most people – after they exercise they get hungry so they tend to go in and eat the calories back on but what's been your you know your experience with it
0: yes i I can see that and I'm like that too if i exercise i I get very, very hungry um because the body feels like, oh my gosh, you know all of a sudden i i've been I've gotten rid of a whole bunch of of calories and nutrients. Don't forget like we were talking about before about losing weight and the issues with the intestines if they're not in good shape, and et cetera if you're sweating, you're sweating out a bunch of nutrients, not just h two o right, so mm-hmm. you know nutrients. Here, there, what have you? Um, the exercising can make you hungry, but then that's going to pull us back to those alternative foods. When you get really hungry after, instead of chowing down on a heavy fat cheese sandwich or something like that, look for those lower fat, higher fiber items. And I don't recommend that people totally avoid uh, carbohydrates. And, you know, and and even with the, I you don't, know, I don't think that the body was really set up to not even particularly not eat meat. I mean, now that they're telling us Brontosaurus definitely ate meat too, um, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, at the whole picture of it, and, and maybe we were, you know, intended to do all of the above. I'm not positive on that, but um, it is definitely something to think about. Definitely so.
1: Yeah, I look at exercise now as a little bit more movement, not so much to um lose weight because I really don't re- really need to lose weight, but I look at it more as movement to keep my joints and everything working the way that it should and not so much as to fall back on it. Oh, I got to lose weight. But, um, you know, right. There, there's a lot of different theories out there about what, And it let, me,
0: let me clarify about the meat. Cause I know a lot of people will say, Oh my gosh, I'm a vegan and there's no way I'm going to change. Or, you know, meat doesn't necessarily have to be beef or what have you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of options out there, and, and in the case for me, you can lean into seafood too. I, I see a lot of people in the country with thyroid issues not getting enough iodine, and they say, you know, I don't eat any type of salt. Like, you know, I, I use real salt because it, it comes from a seabed and it has iodine in it. And eating some, you know, wild-caught shrimp or or what have you to get that iodine quota so and it's like it's a big synergy. If they don't have the vitamin D, if they don't have the the iodine, they're missing a lot of things. They don't necessarily have to go to meat with heme iron, but maybe how about fish? You know, I know several people who eat uh, some real good chicken, very tasty that they brought me. Um but they don't eat red meat. And now that they have the issues that they're saying they're pretty sure about carcinogenic activity with the red meat, that may lean us somewhere else for some people. It's kind of up in the air. We've got a lot going on in nutrition, don't we, Darren?
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure do. And it's we it's truly always up, it's always up to the different individuals. I tell people, if you're a vegan, I have nothing against you. <laughs> you be a vegan, of course not. But, yeah, but if you are going to eat meat, I just say, hey, make sure that you're eating the best meat that you you can eat. I just rec I think it's been three years since I got back into beef, and I only eat grass fed just because I had you know stomach problems with it. At one time I took it completely out of my Diets but it's an individual thing Um, Getting back to The nutrients and I believe you were saying Something about iodine let's talk about iron Real quick because I know that um, I give blood I usually give blood um, Whenever I can and just because I can help people, but also they give us free movie tickets when I get blood, so I ha uh-huh. okay but um, I noticed that a lot of women get turned around because they don't have enough iron, and in your book, you were discussing the fact that men store iron and 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 women don't store it and I know a lot of women have problems with anemia because they don't have um enough enough iron, but on the other end of that spectrum, I know. Storing too much iron can be dangerous as well. But I wanted you to kind of give us a synopsis of of the importance of iron and why storing it or too much of it might not be so good.
0: Right, and and that is accurate what you're saying. Men tend to store the iron, and women. Well, we have changing uh, amounts of you know for the iron needs. You know, depending mm-hmm. on if we're in childbearing years or. Um, postmenopausal etc so it's going to change and our bodies change throughout for other things not just for iron there's there are two types of iron uh, heme and non-heme and you can get it from plants or animal-based foods so that's important for people to know um the the heme iron is the one that's more readily absorbed in our bodies so that's kind of important and then it breaks down from there but you know not to get into the chemical end of it or the chemical aspect so much um Eating iron, if you're trying to to make it, you know, be more absorbable in the body, um, different types of sugars and vitamin C are very good for that. Um, And eating the iron-based foods is important because you only get about one milligram for every 10 to 20 that you eat. So for women, that's important. And you'll often see women say, oh, I need an, an iron supplement, that case that would be you know something that's important for them to do um for men you don't want to you know they don't want to have too much it can can be something that makes you sick now iron deficiency can cause anemia it's the most common nutritional deficiency in our country right now i remember writing about that in food smart and the cdc had something about that Um, overconsumption can be a concern If you take in too much of it, you can have toxicity, and it can interfere with zinc, which helps us to heal, and copper, which we still haven't worked out all the little kinks as far as uptake with copper, and that's why we have no pigment in our hair when we get older. Our hair actually doesn't have pigment. It's not really gray. It's just not colored. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, if you're looking to get iron into the diet, it works really good with vitamin B12, which is very, very important when we're over 40, but even more so after 50. And B12, uh, when you drink alcohol, Darren, uh, alcohol goes in and plays Ms. Pac-Man with B12. So that's a very important one to, to keep taking. We just had a gentleman uh, that I know, he kept telling my, my younger son, he said, oh, I've got this these tingling feelings and in my foot, and I'm not diabetic. And I said to him, I said, does he drink? And he said, yeah. And I said, hmm, he's in his 60s. Ask him to see if he takes any B12. And sure enough, he started taking it, and although he still has tingling in the one foot, he doesn't have it in the other, because that um, that kind of uh, nerve damage that can happen there is not reversible. So it's very important for people to pay attention, especially over age 50, for B12. But with the iron, if you're trying to get some dietary sources of it, you don't have to have just liver. You can eat lentils and peas. Lentils are pretty high in it. Spinach Mm -hmm. is pretty good. Um, The shellfish, as I mentioned. And salmon. I like the wild-caught skinned salmon. A Mm -hmm. lot of whole grains have it. And even parsley. But I don't Mm -hmm. recommend going crazy on the parsley because parsley can make you run to the restroom a lot.
1: Yeah. And B12 has to do with our our nerves, right? It's essential for the... uh, Oh, yeah. It
0: runs so many different things in our body. The B vitamins are very important for nerve conduction.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, two more questions. Sure. Um, one is quick tips on eating out. Eating out. I think we just we talked a little bit about eating at parties and, and different things like that. But just some quick tips. With I know for me, that was the turnaround for me. Because I know um, when I used to go home, I'm from South Carolina, I used to go home, I would just go home and just eat regular stuff that I used to eat 10, 15 years ago, and then I'd get on the road and i feel bloated. And then when I started going back home and I started to change my diet, I would take a cooler with me and actually take my food, go to Whole Foods and get the things that I like doing because I was, you know, gluten-free, and then make other options instead of eating the food that I normally ate. But give us some really quick tips for people to, if they want to take a cooler home with them, if they're going to visit home, be my guest. That's what I did. But others, some other quick tips for people who might be eating out and and want to kind of not fall off the wagon, so to speak. Right. Well, if
0: you're going out, generally, are you talking about to lunch? Are you talking about business dinner? Or are you talking about Saturday night?
1: Any of them. All of them are, are, are okay, uh, okay. equally, I mean, equally pertinent.
0: <laughs> okay, and then we're going to call that quota system back into play. Um, yeah. Generally, if you want to have a meal that's going to leave you where you're not hungry, but you didn't overdo it. Going out, and oh my goodness, the restaurants aren't going to like me for this, but if you start off with water, because your body needs water anyway, water with lemon is a great idea. If you're Even if you're ordering panna or some kind of sparkling water, a water would be a great idea. Then when you get, um, be careful. If they're serving bread and you really like the bread, don't eat the entire basket. Share or just take a little bit. You can always take some home for later. Um, look for broiled options broiled or somehow cooked or poached or steamed or something like that with the fish or what have you that you may be having. If you're having, you know, just a vegetable platter, great. Make sure it's not in a heavy sauce. Um, steamed veggies with lemon can be incredibly good or ask for your sauce on the side and just take a little bit so you're still enjoying and you don't feel completely limited, but you're not overdoing it. A lot of places put such a heavy amount of of sauce on that it's, you know, like, wow, and you, you don't want to eat it, but you don't want to waste it. Um If you don't have a lot of sauce and you still feel hungry, uh, going with a rice or a potato, I don't say no to that. Um, They're both naturally grown, and it is carbs, but it's not like you're eating 12 of them. You know, have a half a potato or have, you know, half a cup of rice or something. And then if you're very tempted or know the place you're going to has an incredible dessert and you just can't pass it by, share it or take part of it home and have it for another meal. So that gives you a good overall perspective. If you, you know, drink, uh, you know, going on a Saturday night and you want to have an alcoholic beverage, remember that the alcohol is the most highly refined carbohydrate. It is going to, you know, be calorie laden. And even if you're not counting them, you have to consider that. And also, I always recommend to people who, you know, who drink, uh, the ABCs. I say artichokes, beets, and any kind of cruciferous vegetable the next day. <laughs> Which is very uh, reparative to the liver, so I, I I actually like to do that.
1: Yeah, I've heard that um, for alcoholic drinks you should stop at two. Uh, that's what I've heard. You know, you may want to stop at 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 two drinks. Well,
0: with wi- with women, I mean, they say that even one glass of wine a day um, mm-hmm. increases the breast cancer potential quite substantially. Mm-hmm. So one school versus the other school, um, and people tell me, oh, I must drink a lot of wine. I have a lady who drinks like a bottle a day, and she's like, I'm trying to get the resveratrol. And I'm like, okay, well, we know a little about it, but not that much about it, but you can get probably more from some boiled peanuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My last question for you, Diana, is um, you covered this in your book, and you did a really good job of covering it as a fact that Thank not you. to look at celebrities or – you know, people that are in the media as our role models when it comes to um, comes to weight. And you mentioned a specific scenario where you were, I think you were on a plane and you said that um, you saw a model. And she came back and she was, uh, she said, I'm a model or something. And I think she went to eat and she went to, to throw up. But you also mentioned something in there. I'm trying to figure out what the heck would she be using this for. But you said the hemorrhoid cream, I guess is for the eyes. <laughs> But the hairspray, I'm trying to figure out what the hairspray was actually used for. Is it used um, on a part, part of the body? The buttocks. Or? The buttocks.
0: Below the buttocks. Ah. <laughs>
1: for what? I'm to...
0: I i I'm not exactly sure, but I think to keep any type of a little fold in the skin from showing.
1: Wow. Yeah, I'm like, I'm reading a book, and I'm like, why would you use hairspray on your butt?
0: <laughs> I I know I I've heard and seen. I'll never forget that that time on that plane. I'll never forget that that girl. Uh, it was incredible.
1: Yeah, and she was a model, like a well known model. To, I don't know to... that
0: she was very well known. I did not know who she was, but um, just to see the condition that she was in, and she was so exhausted and everything, and and to see her throwing up her food like that, and then she said it's not all glamorous, and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> It was a stark moment to remember. Yes, it was. And I thought, wow, and that her body wasn't getting the nutrients it needed. And then if she did go to eat something, um, I'm sure that her body would be grabbing on to whatever it could possibly hold on to nutritionally. And then a the rigorous yeah. schedule, I'm sure that that didn't help also. That, yeah, sleep, that sleep facet is very important for keeping our weight down.
1: Yeah, it's crazy what, you know, those models do to kind of keep their figure this uh, I've heard a lot of stories, very, very dangerous in most cases um, for what they do. Diana, that's all the questions I had for you. I, I wanted to see if you wanted to leave us with a gem or two before before I let you go.
0: Uh, my, gem, my best gem would be to have more people listening to your show. Thank you so very much for having me on. Again, I hope I covered um, the ideas and gave you enough information that would uh, help your listeners to make some better choices, to feel good about themselves. To get that self-respect going and help build their self-esteem and, and really take the time to learn about the foods that they're putting in their body because it's really important. And they'll notice that the body is just so always wanting to try to fix itself and that when they treat it right, it's going to pay them back.
1: Yeah, body is amazingly resilient. It can kind of recover from just about uh, anything. Uh, the book is Me, Myself, and Food by Diana Hunter. You can go to Amazon and get the book and actually... Um, I know sometimes many people are deterred away from reading. This book, you can read it in an hour if you really put your mind to it. It's a very easy read, and it's a lot of information in there. So if you want to go to Amazon and purchase a book, it's called Me, Myself, and Food. Diana Hunter, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome, Darren. Take care.
1: All right. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. All right, another show in the the works, in the books, so to speak. Uh, Me, Myself, and Food, again, on Amazon. If you want to get the book, you can go to Amazon and and buy the book. And like I said, very, very short read. Uh, Wednesday's show will be Julia Ross. Um, It's called The Mood Cure. A lot of people out here are on antidepressant medications. And, you know, suffering from not being able to pay attention and all kind of other things. And we'll be discussing a lot of that with Julia Ross on The Mood Cure, which is the name of her book, on Wednesday. And then on the Monday after this week, we'll have the international health host with um, Dr. Raymond Francis, who was my second person on the show, I believe, and he uh we we spoke of his book, Never Be Sick Again, and that's still one of the shows that people are listening to. I think I've had over five hundred, six hundred people listen to that show, um, as well as the one Food Smart with Diana Hunter, which was more of my first show. But we'll be getting into the international health folks. and then that same week, uh, Wednesday of that next week of yeah, that next week we'll be with um Dr. Bruce Fife, who I had on about uh coconut. We talked about coconut oil. He'll be coming back to talk about the coconut ketogenic diet. So that should be a great show as well. So stay tuned for everything coming up. Thank you for listening to the show tonight. Thank you for listening to the show tonight. Don't know what I'm saying here. Peace and love, y'all. See you same, soon. Same fat time, same fat channel. Good night.